Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. And we've reached part five of our look at every election in Quebec's history. I hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to be looking at the years 1989 to 2018. After bouncing back with 99 seats, the Liberal government under Robert Barossa had some rough patches, but overall it was a productive four years for the party. The biggest news for the party during that time was when Borossa invoked the notwithstanding clause of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms to override a Supreme Court of Canada ruling that declared parts of the Charter of the French language unconstitutional. Doing this resulted in several Anglophone ministers in his party resigning. Borossa would introduce modifications to the Charter, which reduced the controversy over language. McLean's would write, Borossa just can't seem to find the handle of linguistic issues. Here he is at the end of 1988 with a new language law that has caused three English-speaking ministers to resign and has split his caucus and his Liberal Party. The other big news during the new term for Borossa was the Meech Lake Accord, which would not be completed until a year after the election. Borossa worked closely with Prime Minister Brian Mulroney and received many concessions from the federal government in order to ratify the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in the Canadian Constitution. In the end, though, the accord failed when Manitoba and Newfoundland failed to ratify the agreement. Robert Bourassa is the only Federalist Premier Quebec has had in the last 20 years, and some of the time that's just not an easy position. This is one of those times. Our national reporter in Quebec, Paul Workman, sat down with Bourassa this afternoon for an exclusive interview. Mr. Premier, now that Meech Lake is dead, can you tell us honestly if you really thought that English Canada was going to accept it? Uh, you know, the way it died we, is somewhat bizarre. Uh, eight provinces has approved Meech Lake. Uh, Manitoba had great problems. Mr. Wells was to take a vote during the day. And uh, suddenly when the... Uh, federal government found a solution to solve the Manitoba problem with a referee to the Supreme Court. Then suddenly Mr. Wells said, oh, I'm not taking a vote. You could ask the question about the real will of English Canada as a whole. There was always some problems. First New Brunswick, then Manitoba, then Newfoundland, and then Manitoba again, etc., etc. So the question is relevant. That's why I asked the question, whether you honestly believed all along those months of preceding yesterday, whether the will was there. I, I sense a doubt. Yes. Is this a critical turning point now for Quebec? Yes. Yes, because Quebec went to the ultimate, I would say, open-mindedness and flexibility in order to turn the page and to uh, tackle the real dossier of the next decade. 
Of course, uh, Quebec was isolated with René Lévesque. I was not isolated now. But still, Mitch Lake was, uh, was not accepted. Uh, just, happened, just see what happened in Calgary yesterday when Mitch Lake was mentioned. The, uh, the hero welcome for Clyde Wells who finally killed Mitch Lake. You know, when Quebecers look at that, they say, we are not welcome. Or at best, we are not understood. So it's a critical moment for the country. Also in March 1989, Quebec was hit by a geomagnetic storm that knocked out power to the entire province for nine hours. Burrosaw would receive criticism for the response and the issues with the power grid, something that would begin to change over the next five years. I actually did an entire episode on this, so check it out on my podcast, Canadian History X. The Parti Québécois was now led by Jacques Parizeau, who had been a close friend and cabinet minister under René Lévesque. He had joined the party on September 19, 1969, and served as the president of the party's executive council from 1970 to 1973. He was unable to be elected to the legislature until 1976, though, and he was soon appointed as the minister of finance. While he and Lévesque had been close for years, they had a falling out in 1984 when Lévesque moved away from pursuing sovereignty. Perizzo would resign from cabinet over the matter and retire briefly from politics. On March 19, 1988, he was chosen to be the new leader of the party, and he would take the party into the next election. He would say, I want Quebecers to realize that they constitute a country. A new party emerged at this point as well, the Equality Party, which promoted the use of English and French on an equal basis. The party was formed as a reaction to the use of the notwithstanding clause by Borossa, the party was led by Robert Libman, who had been an architect when he co-founded the party. Only days before the election campaign began, 7,000 supporters of the Parti Québécois attended a rally at the Maurice Richard Arena, and in that rally, Perizot would say, We are Quebecers, we have the right to be Quebecers, and we have to make the Quebec nation now. Perizot would have issues as the campaign began, including a strike by nurses in the province that had 40,000 walk off the job, followed by another strike of 225,000 hospital workers, teachers, and civil servants. Burrosaw would say, The sick, the aged, and the handicapped have been left uncared for by these workers. Through the campaign, Burrosaw attempted to win back Anglophone voters who were mad about his notwithstanding clause use, and also for abandoning his campaign promise from 1985 to allow bilingual outdoor signs. Instead of following through on his promise, he passed Bill 178, that banned the use of languages other than French on outdoor commercial signs and only allowed the use of English indoors. Burrosaw was aided in the fact that the investment in the province had grown by 15% per year since 1985, and there was a gain of 233,000 jobs during that same period of time. Kicking off his election campaign, Burrosaw would say, Constitutional questions are not the major preoccupation of Quebecers. Their priority is still a strong economy for Quebec, and that will be the main theme of my campaign. Both parties were facing problems with the responses to environmental issues, which was becoming a larger campaign issue nationally at the same time. The Liberals were hurt when it was found that a fire in a toxic waste warehouse had sent smoke with PCBs into the surrounding countryside, forcing 3,500 people to evacuate for 18 days. The report criticized both the Parti Québécois and the Liberals for their attention to the storage and disposal of toxic waste. 
Kicking off his campaign, Perozo immediately started to attack the Liberals over health and social services, labor unrest, the environment, and unemployment. Unlike the last election, he would also begin to make sovereignty an issue on the campaign trail once again. He would say, The sovereignist fervor is being rekindled in Quebec at the present time, and of course the election results will give an indication of how strong that revival is. Borosaw and Perezo would also debate each other on television, which happened to be on Perezo's 59th birthday. Borosaw would wish him a happy birthday on the air and say, From time to time, we have to rise above partisan politics. Getting the debate to happen was not easy, as Borosaw originally did not want to do a television debate over Meech Lake, Perezo would say. It underlines the need for a debate between him and me. We have to discuss it in front of everyone, on television. Around the time of the debate, the Liberals were campaigning at 20 points ahead of the Parti Québécois. In the September 25, 1989 election, Borosaw and the Liberals lost seven seats, falling to 92, but still maintained a huge majority over the other parties. Perizot and the Parti Québécois would gain six seats, finishing with 29, but still a far cry from what the party would call a success after having led the province from 1976 to 1985, Perizot would say in his victory speech. This victory confirms the fact that a majority of Quebecers have placed their faith in the Federalist system. At the same time, we see that this faith is not unlimited. They said independence was dead. It is alive. For the Equality Party, it actually gained four seats, which surprised many. While the party did not receive official party status, both the Liberals and Parti Québécois agreed that the caucus of the party would receive official party status privileges. The election of four members also resulted in changes to the Quebec language law to ensure Anglophone support. In Quebec today, the talk was all about the election, about whether it's changed anything. Premier Robert Bourassa says not really. His Liberals have still got a big majority. The Parti Québécois, however, says things are definitely different. It's talking now about how the independence movement is still alive. And the brand new Equality Party, well, it says things will never be the same again. With more on the post-election talk in Quebec, here's Paul Workman. He's now been elected premier four times, making Robert Bourassa one of Quebec's most durable political leaders. And today, backed by another strong mandate, he warned Canada not to ignore the rise of nationalist feelings in Quebec. But I think the election could mean yesterday that we would like Meech Lake to be adopted. No concessions on Meech Lake, said Bourassa. He didn't offer any to Quebec's English voters either after they embarrassed his liberals at the polls. It was sweet justice for equality leader Robert Libman, for a party founded on frustration looking for revenge. And what revenge? Four equality candidates elected from Montreal's English heartland. Proof the anger over bilingual signs was deeply felt and, more to the point, spitefully delivered. Okay, gang, listen up. The Equality's gang of four will certainly stand out in Quebec. One of them is a 75-year-old broadcaster who doesn't speak French. The microphone is on the fritz. The microphone c'est pas fonctionné. Je parle, je parle. And while there aren't enough of them to get official status in the National Assembly, the leader of the party says that's not necessary. They'll get noticed anyway. The Premier will ver be very aware of our presence there, and we will hold uh, a lot of clout. We will hold a lot of uh, responsibility on our shoulders. Premier Bourassa may have misjudged the resentment among English Quebecers, but the truth is he won a big, solid majority without them. Only it's left Quebec even more divided over language.
There is no winner in division. There is no winner in confrontation for Quebec and for Canada. And what of the Parti Québécois? They gained six seats but got only 2% more of the popular vote. Jacques Perizo says it means a rebirth for the independence movement, but others don't see it that way. You will see, of course, that those 40% of, of Québécois are uh, independentists, but I don't believe it at all. A lot of people voted against Bourassa, voted for a lot of reasons. McLean's would write, With a budget of approximately $200,000 and a little campaign experience, the party overran the Liberals' well-financed so-called Big Red Machine in four ridings. Libman would say, The Premier will never take the Anglophone community for granted again. The party would merge with the Unity Party in 1990, but it would never repeat the success of 1989 and would never again have a member sit in the legislature, it would officially dissolve in 2012. 1994 A lot had changed in Canada since the last Quebec election. The Meech Lake Accord and the Charlottetown Accord had both collapsed, leaving Quebec still not ratifying the Canadian Constitution. On top of that, those failures also led to a fracturing of the Federal Progressive Conservative Party, leading to the creation of the Bloc Québécois, a federal party with the goal of separatism for Quebec. Brian Mulroney was out as Prime Minister, his party was decimated never to recover, and the Liberals were back in power federally under Jean Chrétien. Within Quebec, Robert Burrossaw retired from politics and was replaced by Daniel Johnson Jr., the son and brother of former Quebec premiers. As for Burrossaw, his time outside of politics would sadly be too short, as he passed away in 1996 from skin cancer at the age of only 63. Johnson had taken over as Premier on January 11, 1994, and little was done prior to the election slated for later that year. In federal government buildings across Quebec, thousands of civil servants are wondering if they'll still have jobs in a year or two. Their own Premier, Daniel Johnson, predicts many of them won't if the province chooses the separatist Parti Québécois in the September election. CFTO's Bill Rogers has the story. He's not making headway in the public opinion polls, but Quebec Premier Daniel Johnson is making headlines. Uh, the PQ are silent on the costs of separation. Johnson predicts those costs will be high for the thousands of federal civil servants in Quebec, an estimated 25,000 of them in Hull. Many are reluctant to talk on camera. So I may not say anything. You know. But this federal employee says she's not the only one worried about continued employment if Quebec votes for the separatist Parti Québécois. Everyone's holding on to their job for dear life. I mean, you can just sit and hope and wait. That's about it. Nobody has any control. Not, not us little people, anyways. On his campaign swing through this region of Quebec today, Liberal Premier Johnson said Jacques Parizeau seems to be hoping Quebecers are gullible enough to believe there will be lots of new government jobs in a separate Quebec. There is no way that the PQ could respect the number of people who work here in federal public service and in provincial public service some job losses would have to occur in the thousands, possibly 14 or 20,000. Just yesterday, Johnson warned there wouldn't be any Anglophones left to leave Quebec if the PQ takes power. An estimated 130,000 English speakers left the province when René Lévesque took power in 1976. Meanwhile, the failure of the Accords had caused a surge in popularity for separatism, seen in the Bloc Québécois becoming the official opposition in Parliament. This was good news for the Parti Québécois, still led by Jacques Perizot, 
as it headed into a new election. A new party had also emerged in 1994, Action Démocratique du Québec, which was a right-wing populist party that was founded by members of the Liberal Party who were angry over the Charlottetown Accord. The party was led by Mario Dumont, who was only 24 at the time and had been a member of the Liberal Party since he was 15 and had told his friends he would one day be Premier. He would be sympathetic to the sovereignty movement, earning him popularity in several areas of Quebec and a great deal of cooperation from the Parti Québécois. When the election campaign began, the Parti Québécois was already ahead of the Liberals, 51.6% to 42.7% in the polls. Due to the fact that the party was trailing, Johnson kept delaying an election call, but eventually Perizot started campaigning, stating, Our campaign is underway, and Mr. Johnson can join us when he wants to. Through the election, Perizot would alter his image compared to previous elections. Rather than be aloof and distant from voters in the press, he would be more engaging, often smiling and speaking directly to Quebecers. Rather than wear his typical pinstripe suits, he was often wearing Italian-cut outfits, and he cut down on his drinking and smoking. McLean's were right of this just prior to the election, stating, A new, more relaxed PQ leader is emerging, one who is ever prepared on occasion to puncture his own near-legendary reputation as the epitome of upper-crust pomposity. For Perizot, as the election wore on, his smile only became more natural as the polls showed that the Parti Québécois was heading to a comfortable victory. And by the beginning of September, just before the election day, the Parti Québécois sat at 49%, while the Liberals were polling at 42%. Throughout the election campaign, Perizot made it clear that the election of the Parti Québécois would be considered a mandate to trigger the move towards sovereignty. He would say, I have said it many times before, and I will say it again. I am a sovereigntist before, during, and after the election. Lucien Bouchard, a highly popular figure in Quebec at the time, would enter into the campaign, but he would disagree with the Parti Québécois' plans to pass a resolution in the National Assembly that affirmed the will of Quebecers to separate. He would state that it was something that could only come about from a referendum. Another issue arose when Perizot said that his planned tax increases on businesses mirrored a similar levy by the federal Liberals implemented a year previous. Bouchard had actually opposed that federal tax heavily and was now in the position of having to do the same provincially. The Parti Québécois would run ads that showed Quebec to be a place where job losses were increasing, dropout rates were on the rise, and unemployment was out of control. All the blame would be put on the Liberal Party. The Liberals would counter with their own ad campaigns that branded Perizot as the taxer and the borrower. Just like Perizot, Johnson would attempt to remake his image for the campaign, portraying himself as a down-to-earth individual rather than someone with a foreboding exterior. He would attack the image of him in the public as what he called a bloodless bean counter. This didn't always work out well. When Julie Snyder, a TV host, challenged him to prove he was a little crazy inside, he responded by tossing a glass of water at her and said while laughing, Is that crazy enough? I'm not a politician, but I do not recommend doing that on the campaign trail. McLean's would write of the difficulties Johnson was having, stating, he has spent the first leg of the campaign urging people not to listen to Perizot because he is a separatist, but Johnson has yet to give Quebecers a good sound reason why they should vote for him. Johnson would also not get much help from the federal Liberals. At one point, the Foreign Affairs Minister told Hong Kong investors that a party Quebecois win would not have serious consequences, even while Johnson portrayed it as a move towards separatism if the party Quebecois won. 
Prime Minister Jean Chrétien would echo the same sentiments to investors, further angering the Quebec Liberals. Leaders would go toe-to-toe in a televised debate. Overall, there was little public interest for it, and most felt that the Parti Québécois had little to gain with the debate, but much to lose, while the Liberals hoped for a strong performance by Johnson to get those francophone votes. In the end, the debate seemed to change nearly nothing in terms of the polls. Well, it's important uh, because it'll give me a chance to really see if uh, the people in Quebec want the whole country of Canada to stay as it is today. As somebody living on the West Coast, I think that's important. It won't change as much as what we think it'll change. I think we've made it more important and we've made it more of an issue, a separatist issue, but really, they just want new government. If Parizeau gets in and if they do decide to uh, to separate, then uh, I think we're up to creek because I can't see the rest of Canada supporting the Maritimes. Not really important. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. Like, what about the Aboriginal people in Quebec? I think they should have the first say. I hope that Parizeau wins. You know, I want to see what happens. I think we've spent long enough with them just kind of going back and forth, threatening this and us giving them more and them threatening more and we give them more. Um, I'd like to see them do something once and for all. And I'm for the separation. The old people too, they're going to vote liberal. They are, they, they're scared, they're scared of what? You know? uh, we can be respect all over the world, uh, even in Canada too. It's not a problem, uh, too much of separation. It's, it's just a technique thing, it's democracy. You know? There is no fight about that. There is no, uh, it's normal. It's going to happen one day. Do you know how you're going to vote? Yeah. How? So do you want uh, Quebec to separate? Well, this is a we'll know after. Okay. Now, because we're not satisfied for um, what's going on. Yeah. But do you want Quebec to separate someday? No, no. No. And you're not afraid that if, if Mr. Parizeau becomes premier, that it will lead to that? No. Oh, no. Never. Why not? Never. No, no, no. This is only stories. No, no. You know, uh, you, you see now they, they phone and they ask. We, we want to change. Only change. That's why. In the September 12, 1994 election, the Parti Québécois returned to power after almost a decade out of power by gaining 48 seats on the campaign promise of a sovereignty referendum. The party now had 77 seats, its highest total since 1981, and its second highest total ever. While the party had won, it did not win by the large majority it was hoping for, and even the victory celebration was somewhat muted, with only about a hundred people gathering for the victory party held outdoors in the rain. Lucien Bouchard would say, The dominoes of the federal regime are falling one after the other. The new government will use all of its resources to allow Quebec to make its place in the community of nations. The Liberals would lose 45 seats falling to 47 to form the official opposition. The party's 47 seats was its lowest since 1981, which gave the Parti Québécois a decent majority. The party also lost 6% of the popular vote, which was mostly picked up by the Parti Québécois. This sort of neck-and-neck result seems to me to indicate the unwillingness of Quebec to enter into the path of separation. Prime Minister Jean Chrétien would say, When the two parties got virtually the same votes, it is a good indication that Canada is here to stay. As for the Action Démocratique, it won only one seat, and that was the seat of Mario Dumont. He would continue to lead the party and hold his seat for the next 15 years. 
when the party would have to wait a while and go through a merger, but its time to shine would come in just a few decades. One interesting part of this election was that there was a tie in a riding. In the riding of Saint-Jean, Michel Charbonneau, a liberal, tied Roger Paquin, a party Quebecois candidate. They had to hold another election in the riding on October 24th, which Paquin won by 532 votes. With this election, the stage was set for the 1995 Quebec referendum, which would fail, but only by the slimmest of margins. That referendum would change Quebec politics forever, and its impact is still felt well into the 21st century. 1998 the 1995 Quebec referendum had gone through, with the no side winning by the slimmest of margins. To date, it is the last time a referendum on sovereignty on Quebec independence has been brought forward. And while the yes side lost, the impact of this referendum would be felt heavily in Quebec politics leading up to the 1998 provincial election. Only one person from the 1994 election would be around to lead the party into this election. Mario Dumont, the lone candidate from the Action Democratique Party, to be elected would once again lead his party into the next election. For Jacques Parizeau, the man who took the Parti Québécois back to power in the 1994 election, he had resigned after the failure of the 1995 Quebec referendum. Well, as if yesterday's white-knuckle referendum wasn't dramatic enough, today Quebec Premier Jacques Parizeau stunned almost everyone by resigning. Parizeau's yes side fell a tiny fraction short of victory, in defeat, he had said words that hurt. And as Tom Kennedy reports, they may have hastened Parizeau's exit. The rumors had been swirling around for much of the afternoon. Few could believe he'd actually do it, but he did. Par où passe le chemin qui mènera au nouveau et inévitable rendez-vous avec la souveraineté? It's not up to me to bring Quebec to its next rendezvous with sovereignty, he said. Others must do it. So at the end of the fall session of the National Assembly, I will resign, he said, as Premier, as President of the Parti Québécois, and as Member of the National Assembly. For Parizeau loyalists, a grim day. He said he made his decision before the referendum. If he lost, he'd step down. But hanging over him all day was last night's bitter diatribe, just after sovereignists learned they'd lost. C'est vrai qu'on a été battu au fond par quoi? Par l'argent puis des votes ethniques. We were beaten by dollars and the ethnic vote, he said. Three-fifths of who we are, he said, back sovereignty. With those words, he tore open one of the most sensitive aspects of Quebec society, pitting French-speaking voters right up against everyone else. Earlier in the evening, a television camera captured an image of Parizeau tensely watching referendum results. Because of this picture, a reporter asked him today if alcohol played a role in his angry speech. Was your usually good judgment clouded by alcohol last night? No. <laughs> As for his diatribe, Parizeau only regretted how he said it. I used words that were uh, strong last night, but they, they um, underline a reality that exists, and I'm sorry that it exists. As for the other sovereignist leader, when asked about Parizeau's words, Lucien Bouchard was delicate, neither criticizing nor agreeing. All voters are equal, he told Quebec reporters. There is no reason to classify them. We are all citizens of Quebec. Replacing Parizeau was arguably the most famous separatist politician since René Lévesque, Lucien Bouchard. Bouchard had been a cabinet minister of the Progressive Conservative Party in the 1980s, 
before splitting with his friend Brian Mulroney over the failure of the Meech Lake Accord. He would form his new party, the Bloc Québécois, and lead it to official party status in the House of Commons from 1993 until he left federal politics to lead the Parti Québécois in 1996. Upon being chosen as the new leader of the Parti Québécois on January 27, 1996, he became the Premier of Quebec. Another man to leave federal politics was Jean Charest, who had been leading the Progressive Conservative Party after its collapse in the 1993 federal election. He was at first seen as a bad fit for the Quebec Liberal Party and for provincial politics in general, but he would go against that view, and that process began in this election, the last of the 20th century for the province. There are elections that are watershed and landmark moments in the province, and then there are elections that change very little. The 1998 provincial election is one such election. Chiray would campaign on tax cuts, deregulation, and privatization, something that had been done in Alberta to quite a bit of success in paying down the debt and deficit. Rather than focus on sovereignty, Chiray pledged to complete the quiet revolution of Jean Lesage through a modernization of the provincial economy. They would also offer $2.5 billion in tax cuts and a reduced role for the state within the provincial economy. He would say, I'm telling you that these years must return, and we can do things differently. We can get off the beaten path. Many would compare his platform to that of Mike Harris in Ontario, which was successful in winning the election of 1995 for Harris. He would also push against sovereignty's question and try to show Quebecers that they were better off in Canada. He would say, People pay no attention to figures, no matter who puts them on the table. I have to emphasize this to Quebecers, the strong link they have in their hearts for Canada, which I am convinced is there, and has always been there. Bouchard would campaign on the sovereignty ticket, only three years after the province went through a referendum. He would pledge to hold a referendum by 2001, stating, I am convinced that Quebecers have a rendezvous with their sovereignty's future, and that sovereignty is an inevitable part of the future of Quebec. The Parti Québécois would campaign on a slogan of, I have confidence in a Bouchard government. Charest would attack this slogan, highlighting issues with the economy and health care. Through the campaign, Bouchard would rarely attack Dumont, and often let him gain prominence on the bet that Dumont would split the Liberal vote. One former chief of staff for the Bloc Québécois would say, Mr. Bouchard is a great actor and took advantage of his strength as a great communicator. Both parties would also complain about a media bias that they saw. While English media gave Charest better coverage, French media did not. This was reversed when it came to Bouchard. Charest would even ask a friend why there was a relentless negative spin on him by the French media. His friend would tell him that it was like that for all the Federalist leaders, and to expect it to get worse. Bouchard would be described in the English media as dangerous, negative, ungrateful, and vindictive. With the Liberals now polling at 29% compared to the 41% for the Parti Québécois, the biggest problem for Charest is he had just moved from federal to provincial politics and switch from the Progressive Conservative Party to the Liberal Party. Both leaders would take part in televised debates, with the hope that Charest would save the plummeting polls of the Liberal Party. Unfortunately, the debate will do little to help Charest, and the feeling in Quebec was that he had to pay his dues before he had a chance to be Premier. The real winner of the debate was Dumas. In a poll done after the debate, it was found the majority of respondents felt Dumas had done the best in the debate, and they felt he had won four of the six segments of the debate. Good evening. It was billed as the big event of the Quebec election campaign, head-on confrontation before the TV cameras. For the leaders, this debate was a chance to persuade the undecided, confirm the committed. So who won? 
and who lost. Well, the first impressions are in. Here's the Nationals' Terrence McKenna with a high-tech pulse of the people. <laughs> Just before tonight's debate, the Reed firm gathered a focus group of 35 Quebecers from all across the province who were not strongly committed to any party. The participants were each given a handheld device to register their reactions to the debate. Starting from the neutral mark of 50, they could turn a knob up to 100 to register approval of what they were hearing, or down to zero to express disapproval. We tracked their second-by-second -second response with this computer-generated graph line, which moves up when the audience expresses approval and down for disapproval. Undecided people tend to be cautious and hesitant, so the line never moves really precipitously. What kind of statements win approval? In this debate, Jean Charest scored every time he mentioned Quebec's high tax rates. We're the champions for high tax bureaucracy. We're the first. We've got more bureaucracy. In Quebec, we pay the most taxes in all of North America, not just in Canada, but in all of North America. Mario Dumont also won when he attacked the two main leaders for making too many costly promises. Now we're promising billions of dollars. It's totally ridiculous. Lucien Bouchard ran into trouble in his claims concerning health care. What we did is save the health care center because when we came to the government, the whole system was in peril. Why don't you recognize that your party, when they were in power, did not have the courage to undertake this reform when the time came to undertake it? Jean Chrétien would not provide any help for the Liberal Party in Quebec, and mostly seemed at odds with Charest, who had been a sparring partner in the House of Commons only months previous. In the November 30, 1998 election, Lucien Bouchard and the Parti Québécois retained power, but lost one seat to fall to 76, while still maintaining a comfortable majority. The party also lost 2% of the popular vote, compared to the previous election. And due to this, Bouchard would immediately put the idea of a referendum on hold, he would say. They like what we are doing as a government, but they are not prepared to give us the conditions for a referendum right now. Bouchard would use a similar message to what William Lyon Mackenzie King said in 1994 over conscription. He would essentially say, not necessarily separation, but separation if necessary. He would add, I want you to know I understand that at the same time I respect the signal you sent by choosing candidates who reflect your attachment to Canada. Former Premier Jacques Perizot would say, there has been a campaign of good management standing up to Ottawa on its sovereignty. Tonight's a moment of truth. The party's party would be subdued for the most part, with the entire affair ending a few minutes after Bouchard finished speaking. The Liberals would only gain one seat in the election, finishing with 48, while also losing 1% of the popular vote. And while his party did not do any better in the election, for the most part, Charest would pledge to stay on as leader and build a new base for the party, and push against the critics who considered him an outsider in Quebec, Charest would say. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity to know me yet, you'll have the next four years to get to know me. To those people who just a week ago said we were 10 points behind, the results tonight speak to a much different reality. We were nose to nose. Former Liberal leader Claude Ryan would say, Mr. Charest faced an uphill battle fight from the start. As for Dumont and the Action Democratique, they lost no seats, but gained none. Once again, he was the only candidate to be elected. I wasn't lying when I said this election saw very little change in Quebec politics. But there were several problems with voting day. One woman was told she needed to vote on December 1st rather than November 30th. About 15 boxes were late arriving at another location, 
and some voting stations had long lineups due to problems with organization. Two people even had to vote twice due to an error in the polling station. And change would come in the next election, and it would be another 14 years before the Parti Québécois would taste victory again. 2003 While the previous election was one with little changing in terms of the structure of the political makeup of Quebec, the election of 2003 would see plenty of changes as the province began to move into a new direction. The Parti Québécois had changed leaders after the resignation and retirement of Lucien Bouchard. He had stated that the results of his work were not convincing, and he was going to leave public life for good. Replacing him was Bernard Landry, who was chosen by acclamation to become the new leader of the party in March 2001, and by extension the new Premier of Quebec. Landry was a veteran of the old Parti Québécois, having served with the party since its breakthrough in 1976. He had also held several cabinet positions throughout the years. A faithful follower of René Lévesque, he was a die-hard sovereigntist and a highly critical of the $1.5 billion in equalization payments that Quebec received, calling it degrading and stating that the federal government was shortchanging the province. He would say of the federal government's prominently displaying the maple leaf on federal government buildings and programs, stating, Quebec does not prostitute itself for a piece of red cloth. These remarks were considered insulting to the flag as he had called the flag a rag, but he would apologize for his comments, stating he was mistranslated. By the time the 2003 election came along, the Parti Québécois had served two mandates and the poll numbers for the party were falling rapidly as Quebecers were seeing the party as worn out. At one point, the party placed third in poll numbers, something that had not happened in decades. The party would recover some support when it passed the law against poverty to help those who are on the bottom rung of society. Landry was also highly critical of the 2003 Iraq War, which gained him more popularity in the province. Leading the Liberals was still Jean Charest, who was still somewhat unpopular with voters, but the effect of that from the last election was beginning to wear off. The Parti Québécois focused its campaign on stability rather than on change or sovereignty. That being said, sovereignty was still the core of its platform. The PQ would portray itself as the party of the left, while the other parties were to the right. In contrast to this, the Liberal Party portrayed itself as centralist and updated its logo and created dynamic new ads and material to capitalize off the growing weariness voters had with the Parti Québécois. The Action Démocratique Party used its young leader as its main focus, who was seen as dynamic, while also denying the party was too far to the right. Healthcare was the main focus of the campaign, with the Liberals promising to reduce wait times at hospitals. Charest would also promise to invest heavily in healthcare and education, something that Landry criticized and said the money for healthcare would come available when the fiscal imbalance was solved by sovereignty. This didn't work for the Parti Québécois, as Charest simply portrayed Landry as someone who put sovereignty over healthcare. The family work balance became another important issue during the campaign, with Landry campaigning on a four-day work week plan. This would have required Quebec employers to provide the option of a four-day work week to parents. The plan was criticized by the Liberals and Action Démocratique as being improvised, but it still gave some interest to voters, and eventually, just before Election Day, Charest stated he would consider implementing it. Attack ads would become more common in the election, but they were primarily seen poorly by voters. Action Democratique released one bleak ad that mentioned deaths in hospitals, and this backfired heavily for the party. It would quickly go back to a brighter and more positive advertisement for the party. The leaders' debate would portray Charest as a more viable option for the voters compared to Landry. 
Charest also sparked the Parizeau Affair, which harmed the Parti Québécois' campaign all the way up to Election Day. Due to the Parizeau Affair, the Parti Québécois saw its support essentially vanish as the campaign went on. The affair came from the 1995 Quebec referendum, when Parizeau made a concession speech without notes, which is described as ethnocentric and ethnic nationalistic. The day of the debate, an online article was published in which Parizeau chuckled over his ethnic votes comments of 1995. Charest would bring this up to the leaders' debate to the surprise of Landry. The Parti Québécois tried to denounce Charest's act as immoral on the reputation of Parizeau, but the strategy failed. Landry would mention several times at the subsequent press conferences that he disagreed with the comments of Parizeau. Due to the affair, by the time the election day arrived, the Liberals were 13% above the Parti Québécois in the polls. In the April 14, 2003 election, Jean Charest and the Liberals defeated the Parti Québécois, gaining 28 seats to finish with 76. Charest now found himself as the new Premier of Quebec, and the party returned to power for the first time in a decade. Charest would say to his supporters on election night, It is a mandate for change that we have received and a mandate for renewal. It would be written of the victory. It cost him five years of pressing flesh in the boonies, away from home and the cameras, but Jean Charest was finally able to convince the majority of the Quebec voters that he belongs and is ready to govern the province. Peter Newman would say that Charest was the first Quebec premier who would feel at home in the other ten provinces, having toured each one when he was a cabinet minister with the Progressive Conservatives and later as a leader of the party itself. Moving on to other news now, the campaigning may be over, but this man may have some even greater challenges ahead. A tired but exuberant Jean Charest met with reporters this afternoon for the first time as Quebec's next premier and as a leader with some tall promises to keep. Linda Calvert reports. Even the morning after his big victory, Jean Charest couldn't quite shake the campaigning habit. Jean Charest speaking. I'd I'd ask you to vote for me, but it's too late. Charest led the Quebec Liberals to a majority government. The first time in almost a decade, a federalist government will be in charge. There's going to be a lot of work for uh, for the whole team, for all, every single MA in the in the assembly. Charest made some big promises during the campaign on health care. Charest plans to reduce hospital waiting lists. On the economy, he'd cut provincial taxes by a billion dollars a year for the next five years. He's promised to push Ottawa for more money and says he'll allow cities to hold referendums to undo forced municipal mergers. They all add up to a tall order, one this analyst says could create some problems. Charest has played so much on this issue that he's raised expectations to such a level uh, that if those expectations are not met, then he may be in major uh, political difficulty. The Parti Québécois suffered heavily in the election, dropping by 31 seats to finish with 45, ending their time as leaders of the province, which had begun in 1994. The party also lost nearly 10% of the popular vote compared to the previous election. Landry was graceful in his concession remarks, which actually bothered some in the audience. He said the Parti Québécois would mount a strong opposition and take time to reflect and listen so that it could be the party of change in the next election. Not surprisingly, Landry would not be around for the next election as leader, but he would remain as president of the party until 2005 when he resigned. Mario Dumont and the Action Democratic Party had its first major breakthrough in this election, 
rising by three seats to finish with four, and gaining over 6% of the popular vote, the highest gain of any of the parties in the election. Despite only having four seats, the party's 18% of the popular vote was just about half what the party Quebec all received. The party was soon going to be ready to become a major player on the Quebec election scene, but that's a story for another section. For many, this was seen as the end of the separatist movement in Quebec, at least to the level that it had once been at. One note about this election was that 70% of voters came out to vote in the election, the lowest turnout in decades. 2007 As the Liberal government approached the end of its five-year mandate, Jean Charest chose to call an election one year early as he wanted to hold an election before the federal election happened to prevent voter fatigue in the province. As Premier, Charest began to implement economic policies that were unpopular with labor unions in the province. His government also sought new revenue through increasing hydro rates and insurance premiums and imposing a carbon tax on businesses. His government continued to provide subsidies and tax breaks for families with children. And on the environmental side of things, his government pledged to meet its own Kyoto Accord targets after the federal government opted out of the Accord, and he would establish the Sustainable Development Act, which gave every person the right to live in a healthy environment in which biodiversity is preserved. On November 15, 2005, André Beauclair took over as the new leader of the Parti Québécois, earning 53.7% of the vote from party members. Beauclair had joined the Parti Québécois as an 18-year-old in 1984 and was elected at the age of 23 in 1989, becoming the youngest member in the legislature in Quebec history at the time. He would serve as a minister from 1998 to 2003, during which time his chief of staff had been found to be embezzling money to feed his cocaine habit. Beauclair was cleared of any wrongdoing, but he would admit in 2005 to having done cocaine between 1996 and 2003. Upon his election as leader of the Parti Québécois, he became the first openly gay politician in Canadian history to win the leadership of a party with legislative representation. Mario Dumont continued to lead the Action Democratique Party, the only leader the party had ever known. He was also greatly raising his profile in the province of Quebec, and many were expecting big things from him in the 2007 election. Maclean's would write of him in March of that year. Denis Lessard wrote in La Presse that Dumont floated in the 2003 campaign in a hot air balloon with nowhere to go but down, but that he has surfaced off the coast of the 2007 campaign in a submarine. Nobody saw him coming. Nobody knows how much damage his salvos will do to those two old fortresses, the Liberal Party under Jean Charest and the Parti Québécois under André Beauclair. Throughout this election, Charest campaigned on finding a solution to the problem of fiscal imbalance between the federal government and Quebec through negotiations with Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Beauclair, staying true to the mandate of the Parti Québécois, pledged that the party would hold a referendum on the issue of Quebec independence as soon as possible if the party won the election. Only months earlier, in November 2006, Quebec had been recognized by the Government of Canada as a distinct society within a unified Canada, which had brought the topic of independence back into the focus for the province once again. He would launch his campaign under the banner of Let's Rebuild Our Quebec, and the party was only 5% behind the Liberals in early polling. It was said of Beauclair that, the star of the election campaign, Quebecers don't seem curious to know. He was so young and urban and polished when he replaced Bernard Landry, who was none of those things. Now Beauclair's youth and polish, above all his urbanity, he has spent his life in Montreal, a city other Quebecers find baffling may ruin him. His platform is as radical a plan for secession as any Pukey leaders, but it replaces the word referendum with a marshmallow phrase, popular consultation.
Education became a key part of Beauclair's campaign, and he would support home ownership initiatives for young families. Early in the campaign, radio talk show host Louis Champagne made homophobic remarks while interviewing a party Quebecois candidate, asking him if the party was led by a gay man, and also, had another openly gay candidate, would voters see it as a club of, and I'm not going to repeat the word, but it begins with F. Champagne would be suspended for the remarks for just one week. One of the biggest issues of the election was multiculturalism and the debate over reasonable accommodation towards cultural minorities. Chiray and Beauclair would not take much of an issue on the topic, likely out of a worry about alienating voters. But Mario Dumont took a position stating that the majority had to protect some elements of the national identity and values, including gender equality, and there should be a Quebec constitution that would clarify the privileges of the minorities of Quebec. The leaders' debate would be seen as a draw between the leaders, but Beauclair was seen as the most aggressive person in the debate, as he kept attacking Dumont over the financial model of his political platform. In the last week of the campaign, Charest promised $700 million in tax cuts and a reduction of wait times in hospitals. He also pledged to increase French courses at schools, but also increase tuition fees for students, which was met with criticism and it severely hurt him in just a few years. Overall, the election was seen as a series of missteps for the parties. It was said, Halfway into the campaign, increasingly disgruntled voters have been treated to a vaudeville that has spiraled down into a trivial exercise in gotcha politics, a campaign that has alternated between just plain weird and outright surreal, and has ended up embarrassing or offending many. Some of the odd stories of the election included an Action Democratic Party candidate on a Florida vacation a few days after the campaign began. The candidate did not win their seat. The small party of Quebec Solidaire would field two candidates in one riding, which was a violation of election laws, but no one cared because neither was expected to win. A liberal candidate said healthy people don't need a family doctor, so there was no doctor shortage. Another liberal candidate said that the claim by his party leader, Jean Charest, was false about health care. He would say that the party's health care record was not as good as Charest stated. A party Quebecois candidate wrote a book several years earlier where he stated that the Rwanda genocide was not a genocide. In the March 26, 2007 election, Jean Charest and the Liberals lost 28 seats and 12% of the popular vote, falling to 48 seats but remaining as the first party in the legislature. The 33 seats of the popular vote was the lowest share of the vote for the Liberals since Confederation. Charest said in his election speech, This new assembly will test our political maturity and our sense of duty. The three parties must strive to work together as we have common responsibility to defend the interests of Quebec. Good evening. The ballots are still being counted in Quebec at this hour, with returns so far indicating the tight race going in is still just that two hours after the polls closed. Results are coming fast and furious still. Here are the results right to this moment. It shows the definite uh, minority government is going to happen in Quebec, but who it will be is still at issue. At the moment, 47 seats are in the Liberal column, that's leading and elected, mostly elected this hour, but still somewhere there's just a slight lead. The ADQ have 40, the PQ 38, very close, three-way race as we said. 47, 40, 38, looks like a Liberal minority at the moment, but numbers have been flipping around as some races are still being decided. This campaign was one of the most fluid in the province's history. When it began, the Liberals were comfortable atop the polls. But along the way, it became clear politics in Quebec is no longer just a Federalist versus Sovereignist thing. 
Instead, it's become an interesting three-way race. The minority government won by Charest was the first minority government in Quebec since 1878 when Charles Boucher de Boucherville was premier. His 48 seats to win the election was also the lowest seen for a ruling party in Quebec since the Union Nationale won 48 in 1944. The Parti Québécois lost nine seats to finish with 36 and fell to third party in the legislature. This was the first time that the party was relegated to third party status or lower since the 1970 election. Its 28.35% of the popular vote was its lowest share since the 1970s and the second lowest ever for the party. Each of the parties actually had about 30% of the vote, the closest three-way split in votes in Quebec history to that point. Beauclair would say in his speech, You must realize that a few seats separate us from power, a few thousand votes, but tonight democracy is spoken. Quebecers want change, and humbly we must accept this. On March 26th, Beauclair resigned as the leader of the Parti Québécois, and he would resign his seat on November 15, 2007. On May 28, 2020, Beauclair was charged with two counts of sexual assault from an incident dating to 2014. He would plead guilty to being a party to a sexual assault on June 20, 2022. And on July 18, 2022, he was sentenced to two years less a day in a provincial jail. Mary Dumont and the Action Democratique Party had its breakthrough at this point, gaining 37 seats, being the only party to gain seats, finishing with 41. The party would now, for the first time in its history, become the official opposition. The party also gained 12% more of the popular vote. Dumont will say, This vote expresses a powerful desire for change, for a government that does less politics and focuses more energy on taking care of people's everyday lives. One by one, Quebecers went to the polling stations to write a page in the history book. They closed one chapter and opened another. 2008 As the year 2008 was drawing to a close, Jean Charest launched a new election campaign and hoped to do something that had not been accomplished by a Liberal government in Quebec since the Liberal dynasty that ruled Quebec during the first three decades of the 20th century, win three elections in a row. It had only been just over one year since the last election when Charest barely won the election and the Action Democratique Party had stormed ahead to become the official opposition. Charest would launch his campaign on November 5th, stating he needed a clear mandate and a majority government in order to deal with the Great Recession that was beginning to take hold in the world. The Parti Québécois and Action Democratique Party both criticized him for calling an election, saying they were willing to work with him to fix the economy. Within Quebec at the time, Charest continued to be relatively unpopular, polling at less than 50% in most polls, and even reaching the low 20% range in some cases. By the time the year was drawing to a close, though, his popularity was beginning to rise. Mario Dumont and the Action Democratique Party had served as the official opposition and had dealt with two of its MNAs crossing the floor to join the Liberal Party, which caused embarrassment. It was hoped by the party that they would gain ground after their breakthrough in the last election. Dumont would also go through a confidence vote in March of 2008, winning with 94.8%. Leading the party Québécois was Pauline Morois, someone who had a very long history with the party. She had first been elected in the 1981 provincial election while seven months pregnant due to encouragement from her husband and René Lévesque. She became one of only eight women elected that year. Less than two weeks after she was elected, she gave birth to her second child. She was then appointed as the Minister of the Status of Women. In 1985, she would enter the leadership race and finish second with 19.7% of the vote. 
She would serve in opposition, and then in 1994, she became the only politician in Quebec history to hold the finance, education, and health portfolios, giving her the title of Minister of Everything. By 2003, she had occupied 15 different ministries. That same year, she ran a second time to become the leader of the party, but would once again finish second, this time with 30.6%. She then retired from the legislature in 2006. Then, on May 11, 2007, she ran for a third time to become leader, and this time was acclaimed to become the leader, and she would return to the legislature on September 24, 2007. With her win, she became the first woman in Quebec history to lead a major party. Another party, Quebec Solidaire, was led by two people who served as spokespeople, Francois David and Amir Kadri. Merois would launch her campaign promising a five-year plan and a $2 billion surplus in her fifth year in office. She would say, Mr. Charest has no economic vision. The party would promise several things, including $400 million into its one-child, one-place plan to add 30,000 daycare spaces and put $400 million over five years into post-secondary education and $100 million for home care for seniors. She would have to deal with some bad press when, on November 9th, a nomination meeting for the Parti Québécois devolved into a brawl between opponents, forcing a dozen police officers to show up to restore order. One person was shoved so hard they fell to the ground. This brawl could not have come at a worse time, as it was the same day that the party released its election platform. Merwall said, I blame those who committed them. I feel bad that this thing happened this way. Charest would primarily focus on Dumas at first, accusing him of fear-mongering and trying to frighten Quebec seniors into worrying about the health of their pension plan. He would say, I'm calling out Dumas to stop scaring seniors. What he did today was totally odious. It should be denounced by anyone who wants a campaign based on substance and ideas and want to defend the economy and interests of Quebec. Charest would also state that his party was the only one that could deal with the financial crisis, saying, We can't have one foot on the brake, one on the accelerator. In the televised debates between the three main party leaders, it was felt that Merois had won the debate. She was considered the most aggressive in her questions, accusing Charest on several occasions of hiding the truth from citizens about the financial situation of the province. While she was considered the winner, most experts felt that the debate did little to convince anyone to change their vote as there were too many personal attacks and not enough ideas and content. Two weeks before the election, the Liberals led in the polls with 44% support, while the Parti Québécois was at 36%. Action Démocratique was not doing well, sitting at only 12%. Chiré was also seen by voters as the best leader with 47% of the vote, although Malouin was only 4 percentage points behind. As the election campaign drew to a close, a parliamentary confidence dispute in the House of Commons became an election issue. The Bloc Québécois pledged to support the Liberal NDP coalition on motions of confidence, and both Malouin and Dumont asked for Charest to clarify where he stood on the coalition. Charest stated that the Bloc MPs were elected by Quebecers, adding, I live in a society in which people can be sovereignists or federalists, but they respect each other. The same thing should prevail in the federal parliament. In the December 8, 2008 election, Jean Charest and the Liberals gained their majority government. The party gained 18 seats, finishing with 66 seats. With the win, the Liberals won their first, third, consecutive mandate since the 1930s. The party had 42% of the popular vote with that election win, and this was also the first time since the days of Maurice Duplessis that a party had won three elections in a row. Charest would say, In this period of economic uncertainty, 
Many Quebecers recognize the necessity of a stable government. Quebec, like the rest of the world, is facing a serious economic challenge. This is the time for strong, serious, and determined leadership. McLean's would write, The fact Quebec Liberal leader Jean Charest won a majority in this week's provincial election further suggests Quebecers are in the mood for stability over sovereignty. The Parti Québécois would regain its role as the official opposition, finishing with 51 seats thanks to a gain of 15 seats. They also had 35% of the vote. Now, Wall would say to 500 cheering supporters, The PQ is back. The PQ is a big party. It is a party that has got its punch back. We are going to continue in René Lévesque's footsteps. There will be a sovereignist party in the National Assembly for as long as it is not done. After breaking through the previous year, the Action Democratique Party lost 34 seats to finish with only 7, and once again was the third party in the legislature. Dumas would pledge to step down from the party he had co-founded 15 years previous. He would say, I accept, before Quebecers and our defeated candidates, all my responsibility for the defeat. You won't be surprised to hear that I won't be leading my party during the next general election in Quebec. I've loved what I've done, but the time has come to turn the page. As for Quebec Solidaire, Francois David won the only seat for the party. 2012 With three straight mandates, Jean Charest had done something no other Quebec Premier had done since the days of Maurice Duplessis in the 1940s and 1950s. His snap election had helped him gain his majority, and for the past four years, he had worked to bring several changes into Quebec. He had launched Plan Nord in an effort to bring together consensus on environmental, social, and economic growth and how these areas related to stability. His government also set ambitious greenhouse gas reduction targets and an action plan for electric vehicles. And while he was premier, the province was granted representation at UNESCO, the cultural branch of the United Nations. He would also raise tuition fees in all Quebec universities in 2011, resulting in massive student strikes in several cities across the province. On May 4, 2012, the Liberal Party held a conference and a student demonstration had to be suppressed by the police. Then, his government passed Bill 78, which was an emergency law passed on March 18, 2012, to deal with the student protests. This restricted the protesting and picketing on or near university grounds. It defined a protest as consisting of more than 50 people. The bill was also highly unpopular, and many saw it as limiting the rights of the people to protest legally. The Quebec Human Rights Coalition, as well as the United Nations, both condemned this legislation. The Parti Québécois was still led by Pauline Marois, who had helped the party return to the official opposition. For the previous four years, she and her caucus had attacked the Liberal government over corruption and illegal political financing related to municipal contracts. At one point, her entire caucus would wear white scarves to demand an inquiry, which eventually forced the government to set up the Charbonneau Commission. This commission found a pattern of illegal payments going back decades for all the parties. In April 2011, she would gain 93.6% of the vote in a leadership review, but only a month later a confidence crisis over a private bill the party introduced to replace the Quebec City Arena with a new multi-purpose amphitheater raised a revolt in her party due to her insistence on holding the party line, and this would lead to the resignation of four members of her caucus. After Mario Dumas had left as leader of the Action Democratic Party, a new party emerged from the ashes of that party. The Coalition of Avenir Quebec, or CAQ, was founded by former Parti Québécois Cabinet Minister François Legault and businessman Charles Serrault. The party stated that its goal would never be to endorse a referendum on sovereignty, but it would seek more autonomy for the province when necessary. 
Soon after, nine MNAs, who were part of the Parti Québécois and Action Démocratique, left their parties. In January 2012, the Action Démocratique merged with the party, and François Legault would lead the party into the next election. Two other parties, Quebec Solidaire and Option Nationale, would both run in the election, but neither had official party status in the legislature, and both only had one seat at the time of the election. At the start of the election, the support for the Liberal Party had fallen 10% since the 2008 election, finishing with 31.2% in opinion polls. In contrast, CAQ was at 27.1%, and the Parti Québécois was at 31.9%. The Liberal Party would focus its campaign on respect for the law and civil order, which was in direct reference to the student protests that occurred over the previous months. The party would claim that it was the party of the silent majority who did not support the protest movement. The election saw a one-on-one debate between Charest and Marois over the main topic being the tuition dispute. Charest would ask Marois if she was against the tuition hike, and she stated she was. She added that her government would call a summit with students and propose indexing tuition increases to the rate of inflation. Charest would respond, I will not bend to the street like you do. Sometimes governments need to make difficult decisions. Otherwise, Quebec becomes ungovernable. Mewaw would state that Charest was dividing Quebecers with his actions on a strike. In the federal election earlier in 2011, the NDP had swept the province and pushed the Bloc Québécois to only four seats, and there were many questions of how this would impact the Parti Québécois and the topic of separatist parties. Mewaw would promise to create a new sovereignty committee, she stated. I will call a referendum when I have the assurance of a majority of Quebecers want one. Charest stated this was an example of how the Parti Québécois was disconnected from reality. He would say, What we need is stability. What we don't need are divisions and categories of Quebecers. Many analysts had a hard time predicting the election result, calling it the most unpredictable election in Quebec's history. Both the Liberals and the Parti Québécois were neck and neck leading up to election day. There was even some speculation that the Liberals could finish third in the election, which would be the first time that it ever happened. In the September 4, 2012 election, Jean Charest would lose his own seat in the legislature, which he had held since 1984, both in the provincial legislature and in Parliament. His Liberal Party would lose 14 seats to finish with 50, and this put the party back into the role of official opposition after three mandates leading the province. Charest would announce that he was resigning as the leader of the party on September 5th. He said, I announce my departure without any regrets. We are blessed to have been born in this country, to share its wealth and to have each other. There is no other place where I would want to be. I actually have to leave it there and take you live to Quebec City, where provincial liberal leader, outgoing Premier Jean Charest, is speaking to reporters. Let's listen in. Women whose mandate it is to protect our democracy and who embody democracy. Unfortunately, we can't not always prevent a tragic event such as the one we witnessed yesterday evening. There is a lesson to be drawn from that event. When we were living through the uh, high point of our democracy, we were witnesses to an event that reminds us of the fragility as well of our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, you already know so, but I wanted to tell you again, I love Quebec. I believe in our values. I believe in our nation. I believe in our dreams on its thrusts, as well as in their squabbles and in its stubbornness. 
Here, in the province of Quebec, we have the best ambitions. We have the solidarity of the most humble. And we also have a brilliant creativity. Yesterday, Quebecers expressed themselves. They elected a government of the Parti Québécois, all the while granting a strong support to the Liberal Party of Quebec. They wrote a page of history by electing for the first time a woman as premier of the province. They were able to prove uh, the caution by uh, putting the government in a framework of um, cohabitation. I wish Mrs. Marois' government uh, the success that Quebec uh, might hope for, and by saying as well that the parties represented in the National Assembly uh, be able to uh, go down that road of cooperation at a time when the world economy is threatening the uh, seen in the Quebec is that we share the responsibility of leading Quebec with stringency and wisdom. The Parti Québécois would rise seven seats to finish with 54, which gave it enough seats to lead the province, albeit with a minority government. This was the third minority government in Quebec's history, and the second one since 2007. And with her election as Premier, Pauline Marois became the first female premier in the history of Quebec. She would say, Even as a minority, I intend to get results for Quebecers. She also promised to act quickly on her promises of scrapping Bill 78. There was speech would be marred when the Montreal shooting occurred outside the concert hall where her victory event was held. She was partway through her speech when Richard Henry Bain, in an attempt to kill her and as many separatists as possible, approached the building and began to fire a semi-automatic rifle killing one person and injuring two others. His rifle jammed, and he then lit a fire in the back of the building before he was tackled by Montreal police. In 2016, he was convicted of a secondary murder and three counts of attempted murder. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Marois was quickly taken from the stage by her bodyguards, and she returned after Bain was apprehended to calm the crowd and ask everyone to leave quietly. Uh, wow, um, not sh quite sure what just happened there. You could see her SQ uh, officer detail uh, rushing her off the podium. Uh, I don't know if Lynn Robson, do, Lynn, if you're on the line, can you tell us what, what just happened there? Uh, I'm sorry, I saw the same thing you did. Everything looked fine, and then all of a sudden, uh, the man in the, with the uh, headphone uh, walked on stage and whisked her off. Uh, we haven't had any word here, and nobody around here seems to have any clue. Madame Marois was simply concluding, it seemed, uh, the end of her victory speech. Uh, there had been no disruption in the room. Ah, here comes somebody who I think is going to tell us exactly what's going on here. Okay, let's listen. There was a slight glitch. Uh, we were told that... Uh, Somebody uh, let off with a, um, a bl you know, a blank. And uh, listen, everything is under control. There was no one injured, but uh, you understand that uh, we thought it would be better to protect our premier. This woman 
We will protect, ladies and gentlemen, all our life. Uh, let's calm down a bit and uh, we'll come back in a few minutes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're being asked to leave the room uh, without panicking, slowly. Uh, oh, please. Everything is under control, but we are being asked to, to go out. Okay, so please go out slowly because... And somebody used a starter pistol or something, so please, we'll just leave very slowly. I wish to tell you to leave slowly so that nobody gets bumped around or tripped. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being there with me tonight. Thank you. Prime Minister Stephen Harper would state that there was no place for such violence in Canada. Tom Mulcair, the leader of the federal NDP, stated that his thoughts were with the family of those who were shot. In the funeral of Denis Blanchet, the man killed in the attack, former Premier Bernard Landry and Malois were both in attendance. As for the CAQ, they would bounce back from its 2008 election failure and regain 10 seats to finish with 19. This gave the party the balance of power in the legislature, as the Parti Québécois needed its support to stay in power. 2014 For the next two elections, since they are so recent, I'm going to gloss over them both, with not as much detail as I had for previous elections. I did the same during my Ontario election series. Over the previous two years in power, with a minority government, the Parti Québécois and Pauline Mouin, began their mandate by cancelling many of the decisions made by the Chiray government. This included Bill 78, a loan guaranteed a restart an asbestos mine, and the abandonment of the Gentilly 2 nuclear generating station refurbishment project. Merois would also begin an agenda that was designed to promote sovereigntist governance in Quebec, while also returning the province to balance budgets through taxes and debt reduction. She would also pledge to increase the use of French and public services and address resource development in northern Quebec. The 2013-14 budget by the party implemented higher taxes on alcohol and tobacco, but they kept the $200 health tax from the 2010 budget. By 2013, the Parti Québécois was suffering in the polls, falling to only 25% by July 2013, while the Liberals rose in the polls to 35% at that same point. The party would rebound to a high of 40% in February 2014, just before the campaign, but the Liberals were close behind at 35%. With Jean Chouret out, the Liberals were now led by Philippe Couillard, who had served in the legislature since 2006. A popular minister, when he had the health portfolio, he would increase the health budget of Quebec by $4.2 billion and prohibited smoking in public spaces. In 2008, he resigned from the legislature, but that would not be the end of his political career. He would win the leadership election for the party on March 17, 2013, beating out two ex-cabinet ministers. The CAQ was still led by François Legault, who would try to build off the rebound the party had in the 2012 election. Quebec Solidaire continued to have two spokespeople rather than a leader, with François David and André Fortesila. At the start of the election campaign, while polls were close, the Parti Québécois had a wide lead when it came to francophone voters. 
Couliard focused his campaign on health care, jobs, and education, and he would criticize the handling of the economy by Miwa, stating she was causing Quebec to live beyond its means. As the election campaign went on, the polls started to favor the Liberals and the Parti Québécois started to sink in the polls. This was aided by the strong debate performance of Couliard, although his second debate performance was seen as inferior to his first one. An election debate can be a defining or at least telltale moment of any political campaign. And we're just hours away from the first of two election debates in Quebec. The leaders of the province's four main political parties will square off in a televised French language debate tonight. For more on what we can expect, the CBC's Catherine Cullen joins us now from Montreal. So Catherine, what have the parties been saying going into tonight's debate? Well, Nancy, particularly in the last 24 hours, a lot of tough talk. The Parti Québécois called a news conference this morning. Pauline Marois wasn't there. She's, of course, prepping for the debate. But some of the key candidates for the party coming out and really taking direct aim at the Liberal Party, specifically their re record on ethics. One of their messages today was, consider that there is a public inquiry going on right now in the province looking at corruption in the construction industry. There have been political implications in that. That's going to wrap up. The Parti Québécois are saying, do you really trust the Liberal Party to be the one who puts the recommendations from that inquiry into place? And they spend a lot of time as well talking about uh, past ethical questions that have been raised about the Liberals, so really trying to put a lot of the focus there, not something we've heard a lot about up until this point in the campaign. Over to the Liberal side, well, yesterday you had Liberal leader Philippe Couillard coming out with some very tough talk, saying, you know, I'm a lot tougher than people think. If Madame Marois wants to take a shot at me, well, she's, she's going to get a taste of it. Uh, he has, of course, perhaps up until this point, been known more as a, a bit of a cerebral man. He's a neurosurgeon. Uh, but since his campaign has started, since day one, he came out and said, I detest this government. He's been very forceful with his words. Today, took a little step back from that this morning, saying, maybe I went a little bit far yesterday. Promise I'm going to be respectful during the debate tonight. But you get a sense of the tension that's really amping up in the lead-up to this debate. One of the reasons for the sudden drop for the Parti Québécois was the announcement of Pierre-Carl Pelladou, the president and CEO of Quebec Corps, as a candidate. His anti-union business background was widely criticized as being at odds within the party itself. He was also outspoken about having a third referendum on sovereignty. Only a few weeks before the election day, Mawa was accused of anti-Semitism when one of her candidates compared the Jewish practice of circumcision to sexual assault and claimed that kosher food prices were kept high to fund religious activities abroad. She would defend the candidate while denying there was anti-Semitism in the party. In the April 7, 2014 election, the Liberals gained 21 seats to finish with 70 and returned to power once again. They also picked up over 10% more of the popular vote. And with the election win, the Liberals were returned to power after only two years as leaders of the opposition. As for the Parti Québécois, they lost 24 seats, finishing with 30, but still good enough to serve in the official opposition. The 30 seats was the lowest seat total the party had won since 1989, and its share of the popular vote, 25%, was the lowest since the party's first election run in 1970. The two years in power was also the shortest stay in power for any Quebec government since Confederation. It was also the first single-term government since the Union Nationale government of 1966 to 1970. Merouin also lost her bid for re-election in her riding, and not surprisingly, she resigned as leader of the party on election day.
Thank you. You'll understand that I'm emotional right now. First of all, I wish to thank you so much, you, the militants of the Parti Québécois, because you are the Parti Québécois. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here tonight. My colleagues who are there, if they hadn't been able to count on you, they would not be here tonight. I first... I first most wish to thank you and thank my team, thank all those who have gone down this road with me for such a long time. I wish to thank my family, I wish to thank my husband, who sometimes suffered because I wasn't there, sometimes suffered because I had so many other things, other responsibilities, but who were always there for me. And I also wish to think of all the hundreds of men and women who have decided to run in this electoral campaign. And regardless of the banner, I wish to salute each and every one of you. Bravo. Thank you for your commitment. The CAQ would lose 4% of the popular vote, but earned four more seats in the legislature to finish with 22, just behind the Liberals for third party in the legislature. As for Quebec Solidaire, the party earned one more seat to finish with three, but André Fortesila lost in his riding. 2018 So, we've reached the last election of our series, the most recent election before the current one being held right now in Quebec. This episode actually releases on election day, so we will see how that plays out. Over the, over the previous four years, Philippe Couillard had worked to deal with a $6 billion budget deficit. His party was able to balance the budget within one year, through budget cuts and the raising of taxes. In each year that he was premier, the government had balanced budgets, but those came at the expense of education and health care, which greatly hurt his popularity in the province. As premier, Couillard also removed various protections on preserved areas, while also allowing logging on caribou land. In October 2017, his government also passed Bill 62, which banned face coverings. The law gained international attention as it required Muslim women to remove their religious garments to uncover their faces in order to access public services. He would say of it, We are in a free and democratic society. You speak to me, I should see your face, and you should see mine. It is as simple as that. The party had sat at 41% in the polls after the 2014 election, but that would slowly erode over the course of the next four years, until it hit below 30% by the time the election campaign rolled around. The Parti Québécois was now led by Jean-François Lissy, who had first been elected to the legislature in 2012. Prior to that, he had been a special advisor to both Jacques Perizot and Lucien Bouchard during their time as premiers of Quebec. In May 2016, he had entered the leadership race, stating he would not campaign for sovereignty in his first mandate if he was premier. On October 7, 2016, he was elected as the new leader of the party with 50.6% of the vote in the second round. His leadership campaign was not without controversy when he said he would ban Muslim bales in public spaces and that Muslim women could hide machine guns under their burqas. Later, in 2018, he stated he wanted to build a fence near the Quebec-New York border crossing to stop asylum seekers from crossing over. And Francois Legault continued to lead the CAQ as the party was slowly making gains in the province, and by the time the election campaign started, it was polling better than the Parti Québécois. The Quebec Solidaire Party was now led by Manon Massy, who was listed as the party's candidate for premier. 
Well, it is the eve of the election in Quebec. If you believe the polls, the coalition Avenir de Quebec should be favored to turf the governing Liberals. Francois Legault's party has risen in the polls in part on its own brand of fiscal conservatism. The CAQ has also been floating some uh, pretty contentious immigration policies as well, uh, but a big part of the party's appeal might not be that they're not talking about sovereignty, That, by the way. Of course, a lot can change in just a day, but there are three other parties on the ballot as well. Time now for more of the Sunday Scrum. Susan Riley and John Ibbotson in Ottawa and Vicky Mochama in Toronto. Okay, let's talk about the polls and the trends. Uh, do you think the trends will continue on into Election Day? Vicky, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I think the polls will continue into Election Day. Quebec, unlike some other places that we've seen in the past, notably BC and Alberta, polls have been really consistent in Quebec for at least the last 25 years or so. And so I think what the polls are predicting, which is a, a straightforward but even, you know, even path for, uh, for the CAC and then, you know, the Liberals gaining and holding on to some seats but not necessarily staying in government, um, that's what we're going to see. And then the question is really whether, you know, the, you know, the Quebec Solidaire will be able to get to 12 seats to be, you know, an official party. Susan? I think definitely by far the most interesting thing about this whole election is the emergence of Quebec Solidaire, a small left-wing sovereigntist party uh, based mostly in Montreal who, as Becky said, stands to make significant gains. Um, leaving aside their policy, um, they're such an interesting phenomenon in Canadian politics and so different from what we've been witnessing in the U.S. especially. The leader, it's, first of all, it's got two leaders, uh, Gabrielle uh, Nadeau Dubois, who's 28 years old, a veteran of the 2012 uh, Quebec student strikes, and Manon Massé, a 55-year-old lesbian uh, who studied liberation theology and worked with the poor and marginalized and was a leader in Quebec's feminist movement, and whose primary uh, preoccupation is climate change. I mean, the fact th these two work together as co-leaders, um, they completely challenge the, the, both the kind of style of politics as practiced by the traditional parties. Um, their message is more radical and more, um, radical is a loaded word, it's more uh, daring, let's say. In the October 1st, 2018 election, the entire political landscape of Quebec was turned on its head. The Liberal Party lost 37 seats, falling to 31 and becoming the official opposition once again. This was the worst defeat for the Liberal Party since the 1976 election. The party would win 19 out of 27 seats in Montreal, but it won only 7 seats in the rest of the province. The party also lost 16% of the popular vote. Three days after the election, Couillard resigned as the leader of the party. With the election loss, this was the first time in the history of Quebec that two governments in a row had only served one term. The Parti Québécois would also suffer a major collapse, losing 18 seats to finish with only 10. It was the worst showing in an election for the party in 45 years, and with the C losing his seat in the election, it was the second time in a row that a party leader had been unseated. The party was no longer an official party in the legislature, and it was shut out of Montreal for the first time in decades. With a terrible showing, many questioned if the party would survive and if it even remained relevant in the changing political landscape of the province. As for the CAQ, after decades of trying to break through, the party won 74 seats, a rise of 53 seats. At the same time, the party picked up 14% more of the popular vote. The election win was the first time since 1966 that neither the Liberals nor the Parti Québécois would be leading the province of Quebec. The CAQ was able to take seats from the Parti Québécois that they had held for decades, and the 37.4% of the vote share by the party was the lowest of a majority government in the history of Quebec.
Quebec Solidaire also did well, winning an extra 7 seats to finish with 10, the same amount as the Parti Québécois. And with that, the party was listed as the third party in the legislature for the first time in its history. By the time of the 2022 election, only the CAQ would still have its leader from the 2018 election. The Liberals were now led by a woman for the first time in its history, Dominique Anglade, who is also the first black woman to lead a provincial party in Quebec and the first person of Haitian descent to be a cabinet minister. The Quebec Solidaire was led by Gabriel Nadeau Dubois, who played a major role in the 2012 Quebec student protests. The Parti Québécois is now led by Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon. And there's a new party currently with one seat in the legislature, the Conservative Party of Quebec. I hope you enjoyed my entire series on the Quebec elections. I apologize if I mispronounced anything. Doing my best here with my Albertan accent. But if you enjoyed it, well, I really hope you did. And uh, we'll be starting up on the next series, which will be Alberta elections, because we're going to be getting close to the Alberta elections pretty soon. The show is researched, produced, and written by me, Craig Baird, with the help of producer Dila Velasquez. Audio design and production by Rob Johnston. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many for you to sink your teeth into. If you enjoy this podcast, then please check out my other podcasts, From John to Justin, Canada, A Yearly Journey, Pucks and Cups, and Canada's Great War. We love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those in my show notes. Until next time, I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X.